Hey everybody, and welcome to a classified wild ride with Steve-O. We are going to the other side, baby, talking about aliens and UFOs. And my most important question is, why does anybody care? Seriously, to the layman, like, what does this matter? Can we talk in terms that matter? And that's what we did, and I think that's why we might have had the most gripping entertainment palatable episode that we possibly could have had with Jeremy Corbell. What can I say, baby? It doesn't get wilder than this ride. And we've got a guest host. So strap on and let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Corbell. Yeah, dude. <laughs> What's up, steve all right, man. And special guests. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have a special guest co-host, Mr. Oliver Tree. It is my honor to be here. Big time fan, Jeremy. What's up, Oliver? Pleasure. Nice to meet you, man. And nice you, you met well. Scott Randolph. That's right. Um, this is uh, an, an unusual setup, but we're talking about unusual things. And, um, of course, you're. Uh, are, are, is it safe to say you're the world's foremost UFO expert? I, I certainly hope not. I, I sincerely <laughs> fucking hope not. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that have been working on this issue for a long time. Uh, probably the least likely candidate to, to be, you know, kind of so deep into this. I didn't think I'd ever be professionally studying UFOs or whatever the hell you say. Um, but, you know, right tool for the right job. People say I'm a tool. So there you go. <laughs> um, now, you, like, you claim yourself to be a journalist. Mm. I do that for self-defense, yes. Okay. Yeah. Did, did journalism uh, precede the UFO? Yeah, the, the fascination with this unknown, yeah. bizarre phenomenon. Um, no, not at all. I was a martial athlete. I started training jiu-jitsu when I was a young kid, boxing, wrestling, all that stuff. Nice. And I thought that's all I'd ever do for my whole life, you know? And then you get injured really bad at some point, and you can't do the same stuff. So transition from that to, to fine art, which was, again, total imposter syndrome. I can't draw a stick figure. But that started for me. I kind of got into that. But the whole time along, I was interested in UFOs, like the nuts and bolts, the hardcore physical craft, the idea. And then the journalism thing was I just pestered this guy fucking over and over. His name's George motherfucking Nass. He's a <laughs> he's an investigative reporter out of Las Vegas, Nevada. And I figured he, if anybody, knew what the fuck was up, what was true, what was not true, a good starting point. So he ghosted me for like two years. And then finally I got through to him and you know, he kind of mentored me now for over a decade. So the, the title of journalist was bestowed upon me by the public. So I'll accept it because it provides me uh, additional coverage in a way. I am reporting the news, I am breaking news, but I never thought of myself like that, never studied journalism, but I learned from the best. So that's kind of, and in between that, I made movies about UFOs, you know, it was also unexpected, like the Bob Lazar movie. Right, right. And so that kind of thrust me into a position where people were confiding in me things that they hadn't told their families, hadn't told their children, hadn't even whispered to their dogs. You know, I mean, it's like, right. it's a kind of accidental uh, journalist. But the right. first movies that you made, made it on Netflix. Yeah. The, fucking insane right I mean you have three movies on Netflix right so two on Netflix one on Hulu and now they're kind of everywhere because I yeah. took them off the platform so look here's the deal man I figured that I would just try and so I just made a movie and to my utter astonishment 
it got picked up on Netflix and went wild. And that was before the Lazar film. It's called Patient 17. Yeah. So I figured, well, if it's that easy, <laughs> you know, right. keep it up. But I think I got real lucky and hopefully I made good films. Yeah. How long did that take you to make the, the first movie? You know, it's funny, man. Um, when you say you make a movie like a documentary, a lot of people got a plan. So they're like, oh, I start now. I get funding. Right. I do that. No, nah, no, nah, dude. I had a camera that I got for my wedding and I started pointing it at people and realized they would spill the fucking beans. And so it was at that moment I said, well, I should learn to edit. So I started putting it all together. And if you add up all the time of the, the first shot and all that stuff, I mean, it takes years for me. Yeah. I'm probably not the best. There's probably people that are way more efficient than me. But um, I would say like the Lazar film, the, the third film I did, I mean, that took maybe nine years from inception because I didn't know if he would do the film with me. Yeah. So man, I don't know. I'm doing it all the wrong ways, but it's they're coming out. <laughs> These are yeah. you know movies about this topic. Yeah, yeah UFO people are kind of kooky. Some, I mean, so they come out of the woodwork. <laughs> how, how do you? What's your bullshit radar for knowing what's truth or what's not? Super tuned in. I hope. I mean, I you know I don't know. <laughs> like, um, look, I it kind of accept. I'm an equal opportunity employer. Like you know, accept all information, and then if I can prove it, that's solid. If I can't, it sits all the way over there. When you say UFO people are kooky, man, everybody's fucking kooky. There are kooky people in every industry. It's just that this topic is so outside of our consensus reality that you just end up, sometimes you lose your marbles by keeping your ears open. And, and I mm -hmm. notice that marbles rolling out right and left. People get a little touched. UFO disease. And I think it's because it's an exciting topic and separating that fact from what we want to be true, that fantasy, um, that can be hard existentially just you want things to be true when they're not and or you, when you can't prove them so I don't know the bullshit meter is um, long-term vetting of individuals with extraordinary claims based on extraordinary beliefs hmm. long-term I mean I piss everybody off even the people that come to me they're like well I thought you were gonna integrate this information I'm like well it's only been five years I have to get <laughs> to know you make sure that this is not a long con okay um very recently, yeah. and, and seemingly only recently, has the government acknowledged the existence of UFOs. They're real. Yeah. And that is uh, objectively incredible. But what I find more incredible is the fact that when the government comes out and says UFOs are real, seemingly nobody cares. <laughs> like, nothing, it, nothing changed. Like, 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 and, uh, it's just like just life goes on like I just you know now you're obviously a lot closer to it and so I'm sure that like a lot did change in your view but yeah. me being just a layman guy yeah. like sort of I just don't it, it's it's amazing to me I'm like how wait hold on a second does nobody care yeah and, and I guess that's my first question is is that your experience that wow like I thought this was gonna kind of make more of a splash than it did yeah uh, no I didn't think it would make more of a splash you know uh, it, it is this kind of slow absorption process of what does that even mean there's a lot to talk about what you just said so the government acknowledged that UFOs are real they call them UAP um, unidentified anomalous phenomena because UFO was in lieu of flying saucer which is originally kind of what everybody was calling him because it was misunderstood a guy said when he saw it Kenneth Arnold 
Mount Rainier. This was 1948, I believe. 47. I'm not good with dates. He said it, it, it moved like a, if you took a saucer and skipped it on water. So the media was like, oh, flying saucer, right? But really, the craft weren't shaped at all like saucers, the ones that he saw. So what happened is we go into this term of UFO because it was better. It was unidentified flying object. Okay, great. But now we know they're under the water. They're in space. Like, this is documented. So unidentified anomalous phenomena is the new government term. So when you say the government acknowledged, that is correct. Our government has said UFOs are real. They do fly with impunity within our restricted airspace. We don't know who made them. They appear, we don't know who operates them. And they appear to be able to do things that our own weapon systems can't. Our greatest fighter planes can't. The way they maneuver, the way they maneuver and stuff. So you're right. They've said UFOs are real. We're no closer to understanding what a UFO truly is, who operates them, where they're from, what's the intent, what they represent to humankind. So the public, in general, they see that shit on the news. It's like, okay, yeah, we all kind of thought that because we're seeing them. Thanks, government. Right. But nothing's really answered. Um, I, I think that from my perspective, um, changing the name from UFO to UAP, Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, yep. uh, makes a lot of sense because, like, why would these things even assume... Uh, a physical form yeah. when they're like aren't they by definition interdimensional things I don't know see that that's the thing now we're starting to get to the areas of like what is a UFO what does this whole phenomenon represent to humankind is it more than just machines or craft so you just said interdimensional let me give you a few other theories people have so okay. one is like interplanetary so you're like extraterrestrial so these are craft coming from other solar systems from within our galaxy or maybe beyond. Okay. Zeta Reticuli. Sure, the famous Zeta Reticuli <laughs> binary star system that Bob Lazar brought into the forefront through documents he read that he doesn't even know if it's true. Yes. <laughs> so you've got that idea, extraterrestrial. Then you have this one you said, which is interdimensional, which is like so interesting because I can't jokingly can't even live in this dimension. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to understand what that means, but right. the way it was described in Congress recently, which I'm sure we'll talk about, is like you can take a three-dimensional object, hold it up to a light, project a two-dimensional shadow against the wall, right? Kind of like Plato's cave, that allegory or whatever. Sure. So when you see something that m might be of a higher dimension coming into existence in our dimensional reality, you're only seeing like a representation of it. It's like if you push an orange, a three-dimensional sphere through a two-dimensional plane, on that two-dimensional plane, people will just see a growing circle and then a fading circle. That's what they can perceive on that dimensional reality. Right. So when you say it's, it could be you know, extra-dimensional, that's some of the greatest scientists now who take this seriously believe it could be. So why would they even present themselves if they have this super stealth mode, these crap? Right. So let's go further than that. Right, that, I mean, that's the question. How about this for a question? Crees en los alienígenas? Ha, that means, do you believe in aliens? 
in Spanish. And why do I know that? Because I am learning Spanish on Babbel, baby. And we've got an offer for the Wild Ride listeners, and only for the Wild Ride listeners, that you will not be able to believe. We're talking about 55% off your subscription to Babbel. And why should you want that? Because number one, you don't want to be a loser who only speaks one language. And number two, you can learn a second language in as little as three weeks. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like playing a video game on your phone and you're learning the whole time. That's how I know about the alienihanas, baby. So, are you going to learn a new language or what? Because if you want to, 55% off your subscription is a majorly big deal, and you get it if you go to babbel.com slash stevo. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash stevo. One more time. That's 55% off your subscription at babble.com slash devo. Now, let's get back to it. Is that, like, they don't, I, I would assume, they don't have any need to uh, take a physical form to be perceivable by us. So it would, like, presumably be a choice that they appear when, I would guess they don't have Totally. To. So, but let's go a little further with that and other possibilities this could be. Because remember, the true architects of this secrecy, it's not your government, it's whoever the visitors are themselves, if they're in fact visitors and not from here originally, right? So whoever's operating these craft, if these are hard physical craft, they could reveal themselves. So there's an intent, but we just don't know what it is. So we've got interdimensional, extraterrestrial. Now there's one called extratemporal, which is and the, sorry, extraterrestrial just by definition means not from Earth. Yeah, so not I can, from this world, from outside of the world. Yeah, so the, from somewhere else. Right. So the better would be non-terrestrial would be the way that I that I would say it. People say ET, extraterrestrial. Yeah, it'd be non-terrestrial, right? That'd be a good one. So you got that extra-dimensional. Then you've got this idea of uh, extra-temporal. So the way that a lot of the scientists that I talk with who've been working on this problem for government and within private industry say these are gravitationally propelled. We don't know much. We don't know anything about gravity. We can observe its effects, but we don't know what it is or how to control it other than through mass. So they say this could be extra temporal because when you shape gravity, it distorts time and space. So by definition, these craft are from another time. So you've got extra temporal, extra dimensional, extraterrestrial or non-terrestrial then you have another theory which is the idea that these have always been here and and human beings are just kind of tuned in now to like sure. a breakaway civilization or some sort of other people that have been here before they're from here they've been here under the oceans whatever in antarctica that's another theory people like to to put forward is that this is some sort of breakaway civilization that's been with us a long time. Then you keep going. You've got these ideas that this is some sort of simulation. So what we're seeing, what they're presenting are like craft just ahead of what we have now. So we can then have a learning process of trying to replicate as if it's a techno terrestrial. There's another one. <laughs> the idea that we're all evolving towards a technological goal with a little bit of assistance from others. And I, I love that one because there's a lot of evidence that UFOs are presented in their time in ways that those people can understand them. Back in the day... When you say those people, you're not talking about humans. No, I, 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 those people of that time. So it's like in the 1800s, 
a lot of UFOs. Oh, okay, gotcha. They looked like, so those people in the 1800s, they saw UFOs oftentimes as kind of like dirigibles, you know, but there was none at the time, but that was a technology about to come or just budding. So a lot of the UFO reports are these like Viking floatable ships with spotlights, which we had nothing like that at the time. But you got reports in multiple countries within that four or five year period where they're seeing that. And now we've got these craft that look interstellar. So you have to ask yourself, is the UFO phenomenon fucking with us? And are they presenting, whoever they are, something that we can relate to that's just outside of our grasp to help propel us forward like a control system to educate us? Hmm. Or they only tend to show up in areas where there's nuclear power and they're watching us to make sure we don't fuck up the earth. Okay, well let, let's get there because the thing, the thing is that there, there is an influx at all times since we began the nuclear program since 1945 when we had the Trinity test site explosion of the first nuclear weapon. You had an in, UFOs existed before, but there's been a great interest, uh, a kind of increased frequency of activity surrounding our nuclear assets, including these detonizations. Now, they haven't stopped any of them, but UFOs have come into nuclear sites, turned on and off nuclear missiles. A, a guy that lives close to me is a friend of mine, and he was part of that. He saw them go online, offline, as a red disc came in over the base. Now, George Knapp found out through documents that happened not only in the U.S. When he smuggled Russian UFO documents mm -hmm. back, it happened in, also in Russia. But it's not just like, hey, here's your matches. We're going to take them from you. They turned them fucking on, too. So that's a kind of flex, if you ask me. Okay. So, so the UFO thing, and also our United States government has what they call baited UFOs before. So on multiple occasions in the transit of nuclear weapons or bringing them out places, like clockwork, these things, whatever they are, show up. That's what I'm told and I understand the facts to be. So with that said... Okay, but help me with the baited part. Yeah, baited. So like uh, they were saying... To scientifically study UFOs, we have to have a repeatable process, right? You can't just be like, some guy saw one, some fighter pilot chased one. So you're saying that the United States government, in uh, the interest of studying UFOs, effectively said, troops, load up the nukes, we got to transport them so that it will uh, draw the, the UFOs so that we can study them. Well, they would never tell the troops that. But, right. But, yeah. Yeah. right. Put that container in the, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, so it is uh, understood by me, you know, take that for what, what it's worth. Um, my understanding is at this time, and I'm pretty damn confident with it, that uh, we had had opportunities to study the phenomenon scientifically by trying to set up the environment where UFOs would come. And that would be by baiting them by the movement of nuclear weaponry. And, uh, if that's true, that's pretty astounding. It does show a correlation with our nuclear weapons. I mean, look, maybe this planet is really fucking cool and we're kind of like a lower primate species and we're fucking it up. And so they're like, you know, let's watch these fuckers before they blast something. Right. I, I mean, I, I, I would guess and totally uneducated. Me too. That, that all of the uh, just call them entities, yeah. energies like that there there's that we are just fascinating oh we have to we're, be we're entertainment for them hell yeah mm. we call and, them yeah and i i, I want to get oliver tree to weigh in thoughts question what's going on well a lot of things come to mind for one in your research 
since you are such a public figure, since you are so outgoing in the public, speaking about this on the news, have you had people from the government reach out to you about these phenomenons at all? Is this something that you feel like your life is ever in danger? Not because of necessarily fans, but because of some of the information that you're bringing to light in the more mass yeah, eyes. Are you posing a threat? Am I? That's a I, national security. I hope or not. But do yeah. you feel like ever that it's you feel mm, maybe that there is some danger from this? Yeah. Uh, so back to what you said real quick, which is that the term people are using is non-human intelligence because the word alien, like anything right. unknown to us, is alien. Sure. You know, so they call them non-human intelligence. We just had a thing in Congress when that was a good way. Um, to your question. You know, have I ever been contacted? Dude, of course. I mean, I'm obtaining and releasing military filmed footage that are of bona fide UAP through leaks that comes to me. They have to do investigations. They have to plug leaks. That's an important job when it comes to, you know, proper transit of information. Uh, my relationship has always been really great in that no one as a journalist, you know, has ever... <laughs> Uh, tried to stop the the freedom of press in that way, freedom of speech, and also for public good as a journalist, there's a little bit of a something called shield law, and there's other laws that say, look, if you're reporting something for public good and you obtain, you can obtain anything, just don't fuck up, you know, do no harm. National security with UFOs is a real deal. The UFO topic is considered by our government at a level higher than weapons of mass destruction. That's not a throwaway statement. That is fact. I know that to be true. So here's the deal. Do no harm. I, I am a patriot, and but you know I'm also a little bit of a pirate, and you, you've seen that by when I obtain and release stuff, but I always try to do so with knowledge that it's been done wrong before, and it is not my intent to harm national security. It is not, and I think anybody's ever engaged me from any agency on that, you know, they clearly see I'm not some like crazy pirate, you know? I'm just interested in this. So just to finish your question, question directly I've always been you know I've never been resisted I can say that I, I've been assisted but the, the scary thing to me is that journalists get better briefings more footage better understanding of some of these UFO cases than our government uh, representatives do so I've not been the subject where I've been briefed oftentimes I have briefed on specific things which is fucking frightening that there's so much of a problem of the transmission of this information where it should go because again that's the qualification thing i'm just a report a journalist that's looking at this that there's got to be people that have a better grasp on this within our government but who contacts you like the men in black show up no <laughs> i mean how's that shit work and like exchanging emails with this sensitive information, like is it encrypted? Like is yeah. there protocols you have to do? Oh yeah, yeah. As a journalist, I'm getting and obtaining information. I, I just have like a couple catch-alls. So when people kind of get through to a certain point, everybody knows those catch-alls exist, completely encrypted. Everything is, is totally to the highest degree and quality, but I don't always know what's gonna come in. People could send fucking anything, which is also kind of frightening too, right? So from the journalism side, as a journalist, I don't want to know who gave me what. I want to corroborate it. So as long as there's enough information that comes along with whatever sent, I can corroborate it. I never want to know specifically who gave me anything. Um, the, the other part of that is how do people contact you? So this is a weird world that I'm living in where 
I'm actually dealing with stuff where the Pentagon doesn't have some of the footage from their fleets that I was able to obtain. So that's an uncomfortable conversation. I'm about to go public with something, right? And I did. And then I gave it with George Knapp as journalists. We gave this information to the Pentagon. They're like, we didn't have this. So that's an awkward conversation. Then, of course, it has to be an investigation of how that stuff got out. I get that. That's the footage from the USS... Was it Omaha? There have been a few instances, but the USS Omaha, USS Russell, 10 of our Navy warships were swarmed by UFOs or UAP unknowns. I call them units. And they seem to appear to be transmedium, go in and out of the water with total impunity. And a lot of times these things are, are fired upon, I'll say, not necessarily with like metal bullets, but sometimes with electromagnetic weaponry on the ships. Uh, electromagnetic weaponry. That we have. That we have. Yeah, yeah. So like if you have like anti-drone technology, if you're on one of these warships, you right. got something called the Ghostbuster. They literally say bust out the Ghostbuster and it's this backpack and it can shoot down a lot of the common drones. There's higher levels of electromagnetic weaponry to take down systems of objects approaching or um, if there's an incursion in your space. I know of three that were attempted on multiple swarm incidents, but I feel like we're jumping around, so I'll just reel it back into right. one point. No, I, I, sorry, I just brought that up because that's stuff that you gave to the Pentagon that they didn't have. Some of that footage, absolutely, they didn't have. Other parts of that footage were in um, what at that time was a classified document that was shown to educate the, the armed services about UFOs. Um, there was a couple images from that, which I obtained, but there was other, like the radar data, stuff like that, all from the same event, like corroborative visual evidence. You got radar, thermal, infrared, deck footage, normal camera footage, all showing the same event series. So it's one of the most well-documented now, confirmed UAP or UFO events in military history because I was able to get all of that footage and bring it together. But right back to your original question, just want to finish one thing, tie it up. Um, look, Within the numerous intelligence agencies within the U.S., there's a high interest in this UFO thing. It's not nefarious, necessarily. It's seeking quality and actionable information. It would make sense that people would try to gather that and go talk to people both overtly and covertly. So I've had both. I've experienced both, where I had to find out later the true agenda of people that inserted themselves into my lives, but then overtly just hey, you're not in trouble, nothing's wrong, I'm from X agency, just wanna talk to you, if you'll call me back about this, I'm not trying to find out sources or methods or fuck up your thing in any way, just wanna get a little information, if that's okay. If you ask me, not only is it okay to get information, it is mandatory, and that is why I wear a whoop band, because it gives me more information about my fitness, my health, than any other device known to man. That's right, it is the most sophisticated fitness tracking device known to man. It's called Whoop, W-H-O-O-P. And if you want information, baby, then get on this train because I know everything about how I sleep, how I recover, how many calories I burn, all my exercise. I love it. And I never have to take it off because right here in my pocket, I always have my charger which slides right on top and it's waterproof, baby. 
dude, it never has to come off. It's always charged and it always tells me what I need to know. And if you go to whoop.com and use the promo code Stevo, then you get 10% off your membership. Plus, when you do that, the actual band and the charger is free. Plus 10% off your membership. Get on over to whoop.com. That's W H O O P.com and use the promo code Stevo for 10% off. Now let's get back to it. And all of that has happened. And this, um, can I ask one thing? This is a crazy, like, this is a big question coming out, but <laughs> have aliens or UAPs or any extraterrestrial interdimensional beings reached out to you as someone who's a spokesperson have you had any interaction have you seen a ship have you had any kind of personal experience and if you don't want to answer i understand no so i'm, I'm a total open book like i have to be you know i feel a duty if 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 i withhold anything you know i'd, I'd be pilloried for it the thing is is that I, I'm sad to report to you that I'm always the guy with my back turned. And everybody sees something cool, they scream. I'm inside getting my night vision so everybody can see the stars better. And there's some UFO. So I was always that guy for like ever, forever, man. I never saw shit, you know? And I, I kind of liked it that way. I was like, that's pretty cool because no one's going to believe me if I see something. Luckily, right? Luckily, uh, not that long ago. I had a very much more credible than me friend. Uh, his name is Dave Foley. He's a comic, right? Um, from Kids in the Hall. And he was visiting me and he started taking the piss at me being like, ah, come see the UFO expert and don't see a UFO. That's pretty good. You know, he's fucking with me. Not 45 seconds later, I say, Dave, look the fuck up. And that was the first time in my life I can say that I ever saw a craft of unknown origin that was capable of doing something unlike what I know is possible with our known understanding of physics. When you say it's not possible by our aircraft, it's like yeah. what, what we really mean is straight up defying the laws of physics. Uh, it's using, a, uh, it's applying itself in a world of physics that we don't, we must not understand. Right. Is it this, the science hasn't caught up with the technology yet? Yeah, so material science is our number one throttle on any reverse engineering attempts of these materials or craft. And I can explain that really deeply or simply if you want, but that's the number one thing is our material science evolution, from my understanding, has not caught up to being able to duplicate or replicate the actual uh, physical materials enough to even begin to right. start. And I, I would assume that... It, it's all operating in and by laws that don't even apply to to our our physical science. Well, well let's talk about that for a second because it's if I can get it, anybody can get it. And the thing is, I've tried to understand it. And and what I'm what we're talking about is a UFO will appear and disappear. Okay, great. So we have stealth technology that can make that appear to be the case for us. You know, on radar or optically, we have pretty good technology. We can cloak machines. We're getting much better at it. But additionally, there's other signatures, they say, like, let's just say thermal, like where you can mask that. But also UFOs can seem, and this is the biggest one, that they can appear to have zero inertial effect. So if, I, if I'm going 100 miles an hour, but then jolt to 1,000 miles an hour, my body becomes jelly on the back wall. 
these craft seem to be able to move at 90 degree turns at documented about 12,000 miles an hour. So not even the machine itself should be able to handle that, that mm -hmm. kind of turn. So obviously there's no inertial effect. So what do we know that can cause that type of thing? Well, sure, time travel, temporal, but also we don't understand gravity. If there's a way to produce gravity, like Bob Lazar said, because right now the only thing that produces gravity is, is mass, is matter, right? But if we could generate gravity, you could theoretically create a gravitational field that is inert. Like you, you, it doesn't matter where you're moving through time and space. You're always in a gravitational field that is right for you. That's why they think some of these craft can move. They call transmedium from space through air without a sonic boom. They can mm -hmm. move at speeds and into the sea without disturbance, without slowing down. That's transmedium. So the idea of how do they do that f with physics? Some people say, well, the craft's skin, you know, it's like hydrophobic. So when you go in, whew, it just slips in. But really what we're seeing is we're seeing objects that appear to move in ways that our physics understands. We just can't replicate gravitational ah. fields. So they must have some way of doing it if that's the way they're doing it. And that's what yeah. Bob Lazar is saying. They had that thing where you couldn't touch it and it kept pushing you back. That's the idea behind what that is. Yeah, the, the propulsion system. So if anybody doesn't know who Bob Lazar is, you know, he's a guy that claims that he reversed engineered or tried to a ufo for the united states military in 1989 he came forward through george knapp that's how you know about area 51 and flying saucers in general mm -hmm. bob said he worked on an alien spacecraft from another world it was a saucer and the propulsion system the power and propulsion was what he was tasked on examining and he said when you turn on this gravity wave amplification machine you couldn't bring your hands close to it. So that was an aspect of what he experienced. There were other weird things like bringing a candle up towards it and it was like frozen looking, hmm. just stopped, which he said made no sense because electrons should be sucked into that void. They shouldn't escape that field. So he doesn't even know, but basically, yeah, that's Bob Lazar, that is the idea. Yeah. I don't know if it works that way. I'd love to know. <laughs> yeah. um, when you said that, uh, that you know the freedom of information and the, you know you, you created the impression it seems that the government has like just a real uh you know transparent approach to all of this yeah. right yeah. <laughs> right so um it, it would say i really liked oliver's question about have you been in danger and you know because it would seem that there's potential for you to be drawing attention to information yeah that the government is actively trying to keep covered up and that that could represent a conflict of interest that would put you in jeopardy. I, I'm not the favorite person of some of these intelligence agencies or some of these groups that would have that vested interest. I'm sure Lockheed doesn't like it when I talk <coughs> about that they have an, an actual spacecraft that they've been reverse engineering, they were given one. Lockheed, what's Lockheed that? Martin, yeah, it's an aerospace company, but there are others, right? Is, is that the one where they say they've got the, the, the biologics, the, the corpses of otherworldly... Well, where they just found it in, Me in Mexico, that little three-foot... Is that what you're talking oh, about? Oh, that's... Something sorry that, about that. Yeah, now, this was from the Congress hearing. So... There was this... This was the sound bite that was heard around the world where the guy... The, the lady asked, are you uh, in possession 
of any uh, aircraft or, you know, and the guy said, well, yeah, we have the aircraft and we have biologics. So that was my friend David Grush. So he came to me first out of concern for his safety. Okay, so you guys are talking about safety. So let's, let's nail this one for a second, right? Okay. Um, look, I am operating within my right as a free human and a journalist, and I'm doing my best to do no harm and get information out and <clears throat> find it to be credible. Um, I'm sure there are people, I know that there are people and groups that do not like the idea of disclosure or this idea of transparency on the UAP or UFO issue. There are, of course, repercussions from people like that. You know, there are uh, ways in which people make, can make your life quite uncomfortable, but I've, I'm either immune or ignorant, or I just don't know when I'm in trouble <laughs> half the time. So... I think as long as people do things legally and lawfully and they do their best, there's always going to be pushback and there's going to be ramifications anyway for other people. There have been reprisals. That, that's a big, we should, so we should talk about this. That, that I don't want to go too weird, but that, that deepness of people trying to uh, harm you. Okay. Cause that was, that was said in, in, in Congress was that David Gresh personally, there were actions taken against him uh, as a intelligence officer, but also other people. They even brought up like, um, you know, harming people. So here's the deal. This is people being harmed by? By people that want to keep the secret. Okay. Within factions of, of agencies, right? That was the okay. claim that was made in Congress that this is okay. a true fact. And we can, he could bring forward witnesses that are both hostile and non-hostile, meaning people that want to talk and people that don't want to talk. And he's got a list. You just have to have the clearance and get a skiff. So they're working on that. So here's the deal, though. The whole thing is that there were reprisals against people like David Grush to come forward. He did it legally and lawfully. He went to the intelligence community's inspector general. The inspector general is like the cops of the intelligence community. So it's under Whistleblower Protections, Whistleblower Protections Act. It's a Presidential Protection Act 18 or something like 19. Basically, he says, this is what I know. I know that we have craft that are non-human origin I know that we have biologics or biologicals and I know where they are and I know who's working on them and I've interviewed 40 people plus that have direct hands-on experience with these materials and these programs <clears throat> and he's like put that into a whistleblower complaint whistleblower complaint comes back they go we find his shit credible and urgent well why why did the inspector general find it credible and urgent because they did their own under oath with polygraph sometimes they did investigation into the witnesses that, and what he found and it was his job by the way he was tasked by um the uap tf which is uap task force to look at over 2,000 black budget programs and try to figure out are any of these have to do with non-human technology and he found them what, what's a black budget program so like any program where they don't have to define exactly what the money's being spent on okay. and you can go to like library of congress if you're a total nerd like me and you can find like calculate the black budget because it'll say black budget and you can say how much money that we know of <clears throat> is being put into these programs they never tell you what's in them they won't tell congress anybody so the whole thing is we need oversight. There's tons of money being spent on this, and there are UFO programs. There are crash retrievals. They're of craft, of unknown origin, to be magnanimous, I'll say that. And there's biological aspects to these crafts, 100%. Question is, does our government have oversight from some of the um, corporations that have taken some of these <laughs> in? So imagine in the 50s, you're like, 
hey, Lockheed, we got something we can't figure out. We don't know what to do. Just look at it. Try to get derivative technologies. You know, you'll benefit from it. And Lockheed's like, oh, cool. And they take that, take total control, and people kind of forget about it. That's the situation we're in right now. So this guy, David Grush, came forward because of the, of the reprisals. That's why he came to me and George Knapp first. Don't report on it. He's like, I just want you to know I'm fucking scared. And so famously, he came forward to us. We kept his damn secret. We didn't even break the story. We kept this secret. And I'll tell you, it is true. You know, he was, uh, there's a lot of things still going on to try to shut him up. Well, I, the reason I asked it too is this is something I've never spoken about, but my grandfather worked for Lockheed Martin. Nice. And there was a lot of things that he was unable to speak about. This was stuff that he had to take to his grave. So yeah. I know there's a lot of things and you know, that could be something like what we're talking about now. It could be weaponry. We don't really know exactly what he did because he wasn't allowed to speak about it. But I also know someone who's very tapped into a public figure. He's like someone who works closely with the public figure who is an alien activist, spokesperson, whatever you want to call it. And Lockheed Martin people show up to, with this person that I can't get into specifics about saying too much of this person because it's not my business to yeah. disclose but Lockheed Martin people show up a lot in this person's life and um, it's very interesting that they're such a big part of this but it's so like unspoken and they can't speak publicly about these things yeah that's a shame I'm the least paranoid person I know I like I probably should be more paranoid but I, I it's sad to hear that so look anything done in a classified realm you're not supposed to talk especially if it's a, a special access program which is above classified is like it's classified a lot of people have top secret clearance in this country but if it's special access compartmentalized special access you have to be on that program to even know that information so when someone works at Lockheed, if they keep and maintain their clearances in order to work there, they can't talk about general stuff even. Like, Is the Lockheed uh, a private uh, company? So there's, I don't want to just focus on them in that it's an, like an aerospace or technology, a defense department uh, company. So Lockheed is its own individualized company, but its biggest contracts are with our government, right? So like our government itself doesn't like produce warplanes. We hire out with aerospace companies to do that. So you got Raytheon, Boeing, Lockheed, all these companies. Got it. So a lot of these companies have acquired materials, I'll say like over the decades, right? Because they want to figure out what... Here's what they're trying to do. What they're trying to do is say, we don't get what this is, but we know it can be weaponized. And we'd much rather that we weaponize this shit before anybody else. Like, I don't know, say Russia, China. So initially, the, the secrecy, like the atomic program, it's so that we can have a technological advantage in warfare. Because that's the only thing that really keeps us and distinguishes us is how big bombs we have and how we can implement them or our, our right. tech. You know, that's it. It's warfare. So I get it. I get why they were keeping the big secret for a long time. But cat's out of the fucking bag. And it's coming out of the bag even more now. And they see the writing on the wall. So what are they going to do? You can't admit to everything. But you can say like the atomic program, okay, we're tinkering with the atom now. We're not going to teach you to make a bomb. But we're tinkering with the atom. Same thing with UFOs. Fess up. All right. And so people like, like uh, what, what was that? Uh, a group that meets up, AFib, ATIB? ATIP and AUSEP. So AUSEP was the mother program and ATIP was the auxiliary program off of AUSEP. And these are all <laughs> the, the heads of certain places that meet up like, like billionaires and they talk about UFO shit? No, no. So that's different. Maybe you're talking about something else, but so ATIP, okay. Um, 
Uh, who, who owned uh, Skinwalker Ranch? Oh, that was Robert Bigelow. So Robert Bigelow would meet up with a bunch of other people and they would discuss. It's, it's a secret uh, meeting or whatever, but... It, it, well, kind of. There's, there's a lot in... So that was called Bass. So I'll break it down like how I understand it for like 101 style, which is that you've got people bidding on this contract to study UFOs. And Bigelow was positioned well. They retrofitted Bigelow Aerospace to be able to have the clearance, the classified you know, clearance of retaining materials, like a spacecraft. So like a Lockheed Martin type company. Totally, but more nuanced in that it was really, this whole thing was about UFOs. He already had Bigelow Aerospace, put inflatables up, you know, attach them to the International Space Station. Cool, interesting billionaire guy, right? But really what they were doing was they were like, there's $22 million, and so Senator Harry Reid put this in motion and he got this secret black budget, $22 million, which is like not even the cost of one of our planes, but okay. And they're like, we wanna do a, a technology UFO program. That was the core of it, mm -hmm. right? So Bigelow said, cool, well, I will create something called BASS, Bigelow Advanced Aerospace Space Studies or something like that. We'll absorb that income and we will get our facilities ready to receive materials. You know, or like, materials that they find like a craft, you know, that was the, the, you know, the idea I think behind it. And we'll do all these studies, get the best scientists on this. As a matter of fact, I have been doing quite a bit of research myself in the bedroom with my lady. And that research involves consuming a blue chew tablet roughly 30 minutes before I get into bed with her. Why? Because it's fireworks in the sheets. And I'm not embarrassed about it. Hey man, you know what? If I'm gonna have a good time with Lux, I might as well have a really good time. And that's what Blue Chew is all about, baby. And I don't know if you're aware, but the listeners of the Wild Ride podcast can get an entire month's supply of Blue Chew tablets absolutely for free. All you pay is five bucks for shipping. If you go to bluechew.com and use the promo code Stevo, couldn't be more simple. You take care of your prescription right there on the website. And in moments, you've got a month's supply of bluechew tablets on the, its way to your house. So go to bluechew.com and use the promo code Stevo. Now let's get back to it. So they did that, and it was under a program in the Defense Intelligence Agency called OSAP. And uh, OSAP stands for um, AW, Advanced Weapon Systems, uh, you know, my brain right now. It's a fucking acronym. This is the, the main UFO program that absorbed the $22 million, right? Then you've heard about ATIP. ATIP was reported on in the New York Times when the public kind of found out about this. So George Knapp had known about it since the beginning, he, but he's not the New York Times, so that Harry Reid called him and said, please don't report this, let the New York Times break it. And he's like, all right. New York Times broke the story about ATIP, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. There's a guy named Lou Elizondo, who you might have heard of, who is the guy that, that led that endeavor and that effort. They weren't the recipient of the 22 million. That was misreporting by the New York Times. But ATIP, they took the military cases and they took everything that OSAP when it was ending and they took that and they ran with it. So it was very heroic to continue this study. So Lou Elizondo is a, is a hero in my eyes that he took this and kept going with it you yeah. know, for our military and intelligence <clears throat> communities. So that's the breakdown of what you learned. 2017 changed the world. That's when that New York Times article came out that you probably heard about that shit. Black budget, whatever, New York Times, mm -hmm. 2017. 
That told the world that the government was studying UFOs secretly. And before that, we were told, nothing to see here, move on. We ended studying UFOs in 1969 with Project Blue Book. There's no such thing. But then, 2017, we find out, oh yeah, they're real fucking interested. Wow. Mm. Um, let me ask you about alien abductions. We've all heard about it. I was in my, you know, I got sucked up into a saucer or, or, or whatever. Like, like it, we know UFOs exist. Do we know with equal certainty that these stories of people being abducted by aliens are also true? I mean, people that, that claim that, if you hear the, the Travis Walton, is a very famous story, Travis Walton story of abduction. He <clears> went <throat> missing for a number of days. People fire were, in the Sky. Yeah, Fire in the Sky is a great movie. You know, people were going to be put in jail. They would pass polygraphs on that abduction story. So that one carries weight. And if one is true, you know, who am I to say others are not? And I'm sure there's a lot of bullshit ones. But is that basic phenomenon real? I think we're just learning to form an alphabet here to have a conversation about UFOs. That's down the road in my eyes is we have to get to consensus reality on actual reality. If UFOs are real and we accept that now, it's a different era than it was 10 years ago. If we are all there now, right? then we need to go into the next phase of that, which is do we have craft from them, either crashed or gifted? Have we been exploiting them? What have we learned? then the hard questions will come. Because if our government admits all that, people are going to ask. So can, can you just get swooped up? You know, can that happen? Why? Now, a lot of people that have had what you call abductions, there's also a lot of people that just have what you call contact, right? Okay. So there's a famous case, um, Aerial School, and uh, two of the, the women now that were children at the time, Liesl and Salma, are friends of mine, I've talked with them, extensively about it they were kids and this craft or craft multiple come down drop into this aerial school well documented 60 90 kids i don't know a bunch of kids saw it drew pictures of it john mack from harvard who was head of uh, psychiatry or something or he, was this in another country yeah, in africa yes yeah, i think it was south africa if i get it right yeah. aerial school and um he went down there and with the bbc and he interviewed all these kids you know, head of, of Harvard in this field, it was a coup that he'd take this seriously, this abduction thing. So he took it seriously. He's smarter than me. He was smarter than me. You know, he's passed away. But I'd have to imagine that there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's got to be something to it. It's not my field. I'm a more like nuts and bolts, like push on the government, get some answers right. kind of guy. But I would say there, there's got to be something to it. And, and, and that's mind-boggling because these kids, they weren't abducted. But what happened was the craft land and there's this being, small, you can imagine like an alien-looking being. And its eyes, this is what every witness said, and especially my two friends, they were like, I was like, what's the best word for this? And they're like, mesmerized. I mean, what do you mean? It was like as if all the sound went away and I was being shown imagery in my mind of like how we're fucking up the earth which is a very common thing people say when they have these close encounters it's like a movie they're playing in their head and they said it was like transfixed and then as soon as i broke my gaze all of that went away it lost the control over me 
is communicating telepathically. You hear that all the time. Now, I've never had that experience. Sometimes I think my wife is an alien hybrid, kind of spy from another dimension, and she does mind control me. So, maybe it's like that, but whatever it is, there's got to be something to it, Steve. I don't know, man. There's got to be something to it. I just think it's interesting that we've come so far in the one area, but these situations of contact were just like, man. Yeah, well, no, nobody owns the UFO. Like, it's very democratic. You know, it's like right. it's like it happens to everybody in every field. And I think once you like see one or something, you're like, okay, I know that shit's real. You get kind of like the bug. Right. For some people, um, I don't know. Nobody owns this thing. I think that there is contact. It appears with individuals more than even governments. And if that's the case, I don't know what's going on. Um, one question in the context of interdimensional and these different ideas that maybe we can't perceive them in this dimension and they're in another dimension. Um, I've known multiple people who have had encounters with other species, um, UAPs, whatever you want to refer to them as through the dream state. And I wanted to ask you about, for one, also to confirm these people also were spoken through telepathy telepathically so they didn't speak but they were able to communicate and the same message in one of the instances was spreading the same message of hey you guys are damaging this entire planet and that sends a ripple effect you know one thing gets blown up it changes and and has a ricochet effect onto the next things around it but i wanted to ask you about the dream state and if you've heard many instances where people are reached through the dream state and if you think that maybe they're not physically visible or you know maybe they're not unveiling themselves in this dimension by choice or maybe they don't even have the skills and if it's in the dream state and if you think not to get too many questions at once but maybe that's a time where we're not our guards down in the dream state maybe they're easier to reach out to us where it's not as we're not going to have a crazy freak out or if they can't even maybe reach us in some cases in this dimension yeah i mean your guess is is as good as mine unfortunately when it comes to that so i have made myself um available to hear everybody's account now what i can do with that if it's actionable for me if it's something that is you know profoundly personal i'd like to hear it because i feel like censoring information before it comes to me so i'm very open to hearing I've, i've heard every story you can imagine when it comes to abductions, when it comes to close encounters, when it's military personnel, when it's whistleblower, like, I, I've heard it all, man. The, the thing is, or maybe I haven't, let's, let's see what I hear next, right? Nothing will shock me, but there are things that continue to repeat amongst people that don't know each other. And that's where it gets really kind of haunting to me. Not even in the typical UFO zeitgeist, just little details that continuously be, are repeated and. I asked to record those conversations. I can use like, you know, AI word search and I can find now, you know, a decade of interviews where people are repeating things and they don't know each other and it's not popular stuff, just little things. Um, so I don't know if it's dream state. Some people say on like DMT, they can see some aliens. I didn't, I mean, I don't know, but you don't need to be asleep or high to see this UFO thing. I think you just need to look up. But that may be where you're in between states that could be a place where they can reach you. I'm with you, bro. Yeah, I I had a friend who was really big into DMT and he had an instance where, because a lot of people, they meet entities. It might not be referred to as aliens, but they meet other beings, which... I've heard it, You know, there's 
some something that I think is interesting that we could talk about too is just the idea of aliens versus ghosts versus angels. You know, people right. are talking about entities, not even necessarily knowing what they are, but that energy that maybe is in an in-between realm. I've experimented with DMT a lot of times, never experienced beings, but it's a very common thing. But um, this person was actually being, he said it was an, what he interpreted as an alien actually like doing... Um, yeah. some form of a surgery. surgery he said it yeah, tickled him though that. and he didn't feel threatened or anything he was just laughing by it but it wasn't like he felt like he was abducted but he felt like he was there someone there was working on him that's like yeah. another conversation but I've heard that a lot I think that when you talk about being contacted in a dream state, like actual like dreaming, I think that that suggestion lends more credibility to dreaming than it really deserves. Not well, that we don't dream, but just my experience of dreaming is just all such absurd nonsense that right. just doesn't, you know. Well, yeah. to answer that one thing, because I know someone who, his wife doesn't believe in aliens and he does and he said that in the instance where the time he met them and they came to visit him after he had disclosed a bunch of information his wife basically was saying hey i had a dream last night where a bunch of alien these tall gray aliens came to the house and he didn't perceive it as a dream from what i understand but she did and so i just think that's interesting because it's not like oh i had a dream it's like two people had the same dream. right right have you guys ever had like a dream or like some information that you just knew that you had no conventional way of knowing it and it ended up being true? Hmm. Probably. Um. You mean like intuition? I, I don't know what I mean. Just um, just that if 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 we have received information in some way that we didn't know how there's no logical way that we know like no one told you it or wrote it down it wasn't right. even in the air then somehow there's information that gets into us from somewhere else it's like a hundred monkeys I, theory sure that old yeah that book I, right? I believe in that I don't know that I've had personal experience um, <clears throat> my my dad and my uh, former stepmom went to a uh, medium like a mm -hmm. psychic the psychic said um, that the spirit of um, my dad's first wife which is my mother is restless because her ashes have not been scattered well like they and 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 literally my mom had been passed was cremated um, my sister had the this urn with the ashes uh, like literally on, on the top shelf inside her closet and we didn't you know just hadn't thought of like of something anything to do with it and like that that's pretty yeah. pretty majorly specific that like the the my mom's spirit like uh, like what needed to be set free like so, you know you need to do, do the ashes so it's a good example right so here here's my point now we could argue okay if you got ashes and you know this 50 50 <coughs> chance you scattered them or not but the, but it's still nobody in, nobody, nobody that she's even cremated did, yeah did, i mean yeah. it's like so here's the deal whether we that is something we'll have to choose to have to believe now that information can kind of go into a human consciousness without traditional meaning we don't right. know yet how it works it appears the UFO thing and information to most people that experience that it's a non-traditional kind of communication. So there's just so much we don't know. We, we've been learning 
over and over for the decades that, that consciousness does play a role with physical matter, right? That's something that we've all kind of been accustomed to saying now. But how fucking weird is that? That like there's a state of matter can be altered by the observer if there's consciousness observing it. Mm -hmm. This goes back to the double slit experiment. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows this, right? But have we absorbed this? Like this is fucking crazy. This means that consciousness somehow dictates the result of physical reality. So the world is so biocentrism. What is that? Tell me. That this is the 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 idea that the that consciousness like creates the universe, mm. not like uh, the other way around. That the brain, yeah, right. So, well, look, dude, I I don't know any of these answers, but but what it is it dawns on me that we are so what's the word like hubristic like we're just so our hubris gets in the way so we're like well that can't be true because right, right. and that you look like a fool if you talk about that so don't right. look like a fool no one wants to look like a fool you know look man we're fucking shooting our own selves in the foot with that kind of thing everything should be on the table as we kind of look into this new realm right so this idea that ufos and con like some people i remember carl young wrote this book about how he thought UFOs were a physical manifestation of human consciousness. Now, talk about hubris, first of all. Right. That's fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. I think he changed his mind later, but whatever this is, this UFO thing, there seems to be a physical, mechanical aspect to it that really excites our military for reverse engineering. But there also seems to be this other realm when it comes to the UFO experience that has more to do with human interaction. We're the common denominator, but consciousness, right? That's when you get in all the weird shit that is, that's associated with UFOs. So oftentimes when someone says, I had a close encounter, that's the only part they feel comfortable telling you. But there's like weirder shit that happened that they don't freely admit to. Anybody can say, I saw a UFO now. You can say that. People are not going to shame you. But you start saying other stuff, it just gets a little weird. I had a, a lot of, of um, experiences with psychosis from when I was active in drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And I, I um, you know, I've, I've been clean and sober for 15 years now and still like abs, and, and at no point since I had these experiences have I ever wavered in that, like all of this stuff that I experienced was totally real. Mm -hmm. And and by totally real, I, I think to, to describe it, um, I arrived at the conclusion that by piling these substances into my body, all of these chemicals, and that, that, that I was effectively eroding what I would call the barriers yeah, yeah. between like our sort of, you know, 3D compartment and, you know, and like, and other, which is a very dangerous thing to do uh, through like uh, ingestion of substances because by eroding the barriers, you open yourself up to all forms of, of energies, low, high. So, so you're well, I was welcoming in like angels and demons is how I would refer to sure, it, yeah. like super low. So it's, it's a dangerous, kind of a scary thing, psychosis, because you're inviting in like all of this low level frequency, like demon shit. And, um, but also in came angels and like, there were like, there was, uh, 
just a lot of, of fascinating experiences I had. I would classify it as demons that I called uh, trickster spirits because they would just entertain the shit out of me. Like, just like my whole apartment would turn into this crazy light show and like everything was, you know, like, like, uh, how I long mean, would this go on for? It like, it would like, I would have episodes that would last for like, you know, a number of hours. I would be in this, I would be in this, like, you know, and different things would happen for moments, yeah. you know? Like, there was this uh, skateboard that I had drilled to the wall, and to the skateboard, I had drilled the base of a of an, a globe, like an atlet, like a, you know, a globe that would sit on a desk. So it was protruding sideways out of the, the wall over the door. And I, I sat there and I watched my own face, like, like as if the globe was like, it was like a, the liquid terminator. My own face came pushing through this globe mm. and, and, went, and it was like, I, I watched it and then the, the, the globe itself with my face protruding out of it just started like, it was like head banging, like, you know? And I remember thinking like, dude, this is so crazy. Like, <laughs> and, like this, this can't be real and I'm like, I'm still seeing it. Like, you know, I, I had yeah. that moment to be like, this can't be real. It's still there. Like, and then like another beat, like, and it's still happening. Like, this is insane. What do you think that is? That's a different dimension or what? I mean, my take on it was that it was just heavy demon stuff because like when, like when the chair that I was in just erupted into flames and I was just like, wow, I'm sitting in a chair that's completely on fire. I'm mm. totally engulfed in flames, but it does. it's not hurting me. It's just like wow cool you know like i'm just sitting in this huge you got fire your, you got your money's worth on the drugs yeah like like they were, <laughs> they were, they were all like the curtains opening and closing while these lights are going off and like just all these different like crazy experiences i had and and my only response to it all was just to try to keep shoveling more drugs into my body to keep these things happening and so that's like not nah, that's scary demon shit you know so your idea there, when you first start talking about that, that barrier. So, if if the if the brain is more of like a, a like a, a receiver, receiver, like a, a receiver radio, right. rather than a transmitter. There we go. So like maybe that is the ultimate thing that that we're going to learn is that we that it is more of a receiver, and there are certain things that can erode that barrier that make it hard to function in like normal reality. But there are ways in which that you can permeate that and have those experiences if they're necessary. I don't know. I like this. Like, I don't know. This reality is pretty great. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Are there things that you know that you can't say that if we knew, it would just blow our fucking minds? You know, whenever that question gets asked, like, of course, there's a lot of stuff that, that I know um, that, that people have told me in confidence. I'm not trying to hold anything back. Would it blow your minds? Like, I don't know. Would like a great UFO photo that the world hasn't seen blow your mind? Probably not. It's yeah. like a, another piece. Like... And also, what is it when someone tells you something? I tell you something. So what? Like, you know, that wasn't earned. It's just some weirdo telling you something. So the, what I think is that, of course, I have to work in confidence. I believe a lot of the information that I have to be true that is not proper to put out yet until people allow that information. 
but it's nothing that is going to change anybody's dynamic right now. I, I've told you the basics. Our government knows that UFOs are real, that they're not from here, whatever that means. We have craft. We have physical machines. We've been reverse engineering them in secret for a long time, and that secrecy continues to this day. Every inch we're earning on this battlefield of transparency is an inch or a millimeter that people have fought for. There's nobody saying, oh, it's time for a disclosure, a big government operation. Let's tell them some crazy UFO stuff to distract them. That's the stupidest fucking idea in the world. That's If you really think about it, that's not what's happening. I've, I, that's what I can tell you. Those big things are true. There are There's some sort of intelligence that appears not to be human, and it's been engaging humanity since the beginning of recorded human history before, that we have physical artifacts, machines, and even biologics, and your government has lied to you, come and clean a little bit, but it's going to continue to lie to you if you let it slide. That's what I know. Hmm. The, the, the idea that there are craft and then there's biologics yeah. seems a little bit off to me. Where what, what, what I would just guess, to be more accurate, is that the line between the biologic and the craft is pretty blurry. Like, is it not a theory that the craft itself is some kind of a biology? For sure, man. So there's a few nuances to that. So some people say, like the most common report I get from a military person that doesn't want to be known, they had a close encounter, is that if I hear this another time, if I got a nickel every time I heard this, I'd be rich, right? The cra I know it sounds weird. I'm an engineer. I know it sounds weird. I don't have any other words to describe it. The skin of the craft seemed intelligent. Like there was an intelligence. It seemed alive. And like, it kills them to say that because there's, there's like a lot of engineers, right? Right. So there's the idea that the actual machines themselves are so integrated that it is, in a sense, a biology, right? How we understand it. But it's still a craft that carries things. Then you have the idea of biologics being just pilots. Right. So you've got craft that appear. The most common UFO is a, is a silver sphere, sometimes cubes flying cubes with Within spherical sphere. auras, right? Yeah. Black cubes? Yeah, so that's very common. Um, a lot of pilots have conveyed that publicly and privately to people that they see cubes. By the way, this goes, I have articles back in the 60s, flying cubes goes back all the way as far as UFOs. This is one of the most common shapes is a flying cube. You can see historical documents with this. The pilot, both military and commercial, saw a flying cube with a spherical aura. You know, that's way back. So these have been around for a long ass time, whosoever's tech this is. So... Some UFOs appear to be piloted by an artificial intelligence, so like a drone, right? Other UFOs seem to carry occupants, like a few, right? Those occupants we would call biologics or biological biologics, but they could very easily be some sort of cybernetic organism with printed flesh that operate as an autonomous kind of AI being. Yeah, they could also be just a decoy to fuck with us. They it could be like, they could be like, ha ha, these stupid shits. Dude, if you're gonna send someone to go study an ant, you're gonna make a badass animatronic ant that kind of puts off the right pheromones. Looks kind of like them, but they're like, what's up with this fucker? He's a little weird, but you know, blend in, no problem. So you can imagine, you know, sometimes you feed like animals in the wild with a puppet of that animal. You could see that being yeah. part of the case. So when you talk about biologics, maybe there are some sort of non-terrestrial things in our upper atmosphere that are biological, right? Maybe that's what they mean by that. So pilots of craft, cybernetic, you know, drone type things, species from other places we don't know. I don't know. What, what is that thing that hangs out by the USS space station, the Wanamana, or it's a, you know what I'm talking about? It's like uh, a cigar shaped 
rock that's just been there forever? No, that came in uh, to orbit and then took off, and that was Oumuamua. Oumuamua. Yeah, and uh, that's Dr. Harvey Loeb. They figured uh, out what it was? No, there's a lot of debate what that was, because from I'm not a scientist, so I might fuck this up, but this thing came from deep space, kind of made this roundabout around the gravitation of, of Earth, However, there was a, it was a weird trajectory for it. And so at first they were like, oh, that's propulsion. That thing came from deep space, came out, propelled off. Then some scientists say, well, it was expressing gas probably, you know, from the heating getting close to the sun. That's why it changed direction, of course. Then they said, well, we can't see that. So they're like, huh, it must, be, it must have been coming from the inside core of this piece of rock. So they got all these mm. mental loops they go through. I don't know. Go ask Harvey Loeb at Harvard. He'll probably give you his definitive answer on what Oumuamua was. It was just an object from another outside of our solar system that came in. Okay. Yeah. One, just. One thing yeah, I think just. that's interesting based on, you know, talking about these different types of crafts and different variations, it's like, yeah. just like here on Earth, we have so many different races. You have different races, different types. And then, you know, people are like, oh, aliens are this, like, we're aliens to them essentially you know yeah. we're just uh, from another place when they come to see us we're the aliens to them what i think is interesting is thinking about people have this misconception maybe where they're like oh this aliens are really good or they're actually really bad more on the bad side is i think what people tend to think or they're scared because they, we're scared of what we don't know but it's just like someone here it's like some people have good intentions some people have bad intentions obviously if we're likely to blow up other people they're the message of them coming to tell us hey you guys probably like need to just protect yourself or be like conscious of what you're about the chain reaction you'll cause but i think that's something that when you were talking about that i feel like there's maybe something that's important to be spoken about is just you know there could be pretty much endless amounts of different races and different types and yeah. some could have these very negative intentions and be kind of like using their influence to maybe be like oh if this does blow up then it affects our neighbors which we they don't like or whatever their agenda is just like humans have their agenda and they're trying to get someone to do something whether that's for self-gain or maybe they want to protect it for their own self-preservation um but i think it's an interesting concept of angels and demons bro yeah, yeah and the, there's and, all all nature of different energies man and i think it's interesting talking about religion and the different angels that have been seen or circles in the sky and these different things and kind of just the idea that maybe this has been going on for so long and that was our way of perceiving it is kind of piecing it into the way we could understand it into words which there's not enough words to describe most of things in the world yeah so okay so a couple of things what you said there's three that we should talk about so one is that there's a lot of variety of these ufos or craft um the, the second is you know back in the religious things what people were seeing and also is what's the intent good or bad those are three things we should probably talk about so shapes of craft i can tell you from getting reports you know, just thousands in a month, thousands. And, and some people just directly just want me to know, no one else to know. Fine. The, the shapes of these craft are so, the, dude, there no, there's no consistency. Like, of course, you got the spheres and you have the cigar shape. You have these kind of fundamental shapes. But when people have like close encounters and they're telling you what they saw, they don't want, to, want other people to know. I mean, this shit's not aerodynamic. You could choose almost any form. These machines are so bizarre. Some are huge, the size of a football field or larger. Of course, some are like delta-shaped, spheres, all that cubes, but there's odd shapes. It's like as if these craft, it's like as if they come from tons of places. There's not one repeatable version of a craft that's very common. And aren't there just like orbs, just like light? Sure. Like triangles. Okay. But the, 
I've got, um, I, I, I've got, I think only one more question that I really feel that I need to ask, and that is, what's up with Stonehenge? Are we anywhere closer to like nailing it down that it was aliens who built Stonehenge because it just wasn't possible for people to lift those rocks? And I'm going to tag on to that as part of the same question, what's up with the pyramids? Yeah, like, so I'm going to be so disappointing in that there's people that know a lot more about that than I do. I've been so kind of hyper-focused and, like, shaking the trees of government, making sure people know about this stuff. Um, what I will say is that I, I think human beings have this incredible adaptability and ingenuity. And just because we don't see evidence for how something was done, it doesn't mean that we... We might have lost that technology at some point. We might have had a sophisticated society to some degree and we lost knowledge. It takes one generation, if it's not written down, to lose information, right? Now, I do agree with you. Some of that shit is fucking wild. Like, we are discovering whole pyramid complexes underneath using LIDAR, you hear about that? So under jungles, we'll go up in planes and shoot down like satellite imagery so and use LIDAR again. lasers and we're mapping out whole temples and cities and they're like, yeah, don't tell anybody because they're going to go loot that shit, keep it, so it's a kind of this hidden secret that there's all these complexes of stone structures from other cultures that don't make sense to us. That shit is fascinating. I don't know if you need aliens to do that. However, there are people that think, how do you get these stone blocks that look like they're molded and lifted? Do you use sound to lift them? You can't put a razor blade between them? I would like to know, but I don't know. I don't know the answers. Yeah, I was reading that like the, the Mayan temples, the Aztec temples, like everybody thinks that the Mayans and the Aztecs built those. Like they showed up there and they started a civilization around that. Those were already there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we hear that all the time. So, okay, I'll outside of my scope, but I'll try to give it to you anyway. Um, it's a place called Puma Punku, and a lot of alien UFO people like talking about it because there are these megalithic stones that have this precise carving out of the stones. Now the stones, if I understand the story, they're made of diorite. There's two things that can cut diorite, laser beams and diamond edge mm -hmm. tools. They had chicken bones and copper. And they always said, we didn't make these. Uh, they were here, we inherited them, and nobody believed them because well, you must have made them because that's our history. Turns out they didn't make them and that they don't know how these were carved like three-dimensional cutouts in diorite stone that is like absolutely precise so if you look that up puma punku that kind of will spin your head a little bit which is like what technology other than chicken bones and copper were used to do that and that's where you can have your aliens because i don't know right yeah I mean, that, that rock in saudi arabia that's just cut perfectly in half it's just paper thin but perfectly cut sounds oh, like know. way better examples than stonehenge and the pyramids no but you're way. you grew up in england right so like stonehenge <laughs> is a mystery bro like i you know i don't know i really don't know much about it but the thing is there's so much we don't know just about our human past that we're in this new era of like thing hey we might be part of a a greater intergalactic understanding of what it means to be human i, I mean i think that that is uh I don't want to say obvious, but I think that that makes perfect sense to me. Um, the uh, the idea I've heard it said, and I think this is credible, that um, there is so much like just irrefutable evidence of reincarnation that it is baffling that anybody could still like maintain skepticism on the subject. 
Like there's just too many examples, like like you said, of information being uh, disseminated, whatever, like uh, not traditional teams and party, right? Like you got like little kids, you know, two years old. It's like, oh yeah, you know, like uh, my my when I was the, the. president of this company or something. Yeah, the you know, boy like, that was born before is a great documentary on one of these cases. Right. Yeah. That. And there's, there are endless examples yes. of, of, like, of children knowing things, recognizing people, like having information that they just could not possibly have that it's like, okay, let's just, uh, you know, let's just lock this in. Let's just lock this in and say re- reincarnation's real. I think that the same kind of philosophy it's got to apply to to, to this uh, how to chicken bones and copper like mm. that's that that to me oh, sounds like yeah. a, a very credible uh, credible example of like you know the equivalent of a little kid knowing precisely mm-hmm. information about mm. a, a past life where it's like okay this kid is reincarn- the reincarnated that person like you got chicken bones and copper and they're cutting things that only lasers and diamonds can cut so the thing was that they didn't cut it though that's the thing like they was there before them so the idea so you're talking about right cut. right so, so, so the existence of something that could not yeah exist right so so you're talking about and it fascinates me continuity of consciousness this idea that maybe this idea of reincarnation has been well studied. There's a university has one of the longest studies on this. They studied children that trying to see like what they would say about their past. Then they'd go resolve those cases and find out. And weird things when I've read about it, which is like the kids would have like birthmarks mm-hmm. that associated right. with the injuries they had in that. Right. So th- it's so funny. It kind of comes full circle in that this idea of life, what happens when you die, life after death. And this interest in like the UFO topic, that's like that guy Bigelow was really interested in it, the guy that owns Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. So he's actually started something called Bix, which is like a, it's a whole study on the continuity of consciousness now. Because these big questions, they excite people, you know, and if you, you know, if you're a billionaire and you can just kind of study the cool shit, um, that's what people do. But I don't know. I, I am so fascinated with this life. I'm so fascinated with the unanswered questions. I, I disdain, I have disdain for when we think we can just put something in a box and say, oh, we figured it out without actually looking at it. That, that's how I got started in the UFO thing was I was very, um, it was very dismissive. People were very dismissive. Scientists were, and I was like, what the fuck? You should be salivating over the idea yeah. of, of what you can study. So I don't know, man, this idea of, um, continuity of consciousness that'd be cool i think that the whole question of what happens like after you die it, like to me is so silly and, and i love that you said it that that our um, our brains are receivers not transmitters mm-hmm. i've had this conversation with a number of people um you know like in general and on this podcast specifically but the idea that our brain generates consciousness mm-hmm. that it's a transmitter that it that uh, consciousness originates and and comes from yeah. the brain would would like to believe that would be to believe that when the brain dies that that there's nothing left but if you just shift your perspective on that and say okay 
Maybe the brain is not a generator of consciousness, but rather it is a receiver of consciousness. Now we're looking at the brain as like a radio that's picking up a signal. And this is a metaphor and analogy that anybody can, can grab onto, that if you take a radio and smash it, with, obliterate it with a sledgehammer, you've killed the radio, but you've done absolutely nothing whatsoever to affect the signal that that radio was picking up. Right. And right there in that simple analogy, that simple metaphor, like you can completely grasp the idea that death isn't real, mm -hmm. you know, like the idea of a soul. And, you know, like uh, it just seems, it seems silly to me that uh, people are so hung up on the idea that, oh, is there life after you die? It's like, dude, come on, bro. I, I do wonder, in what you're, how you're describing, I'm imagining this smashing the radio. I do wonder if we think about it this way, what if that, you know, consciousness is the medium through which you both, your brain receives information, but also like if you have a microphone, it absolutely influences the physical world, we see that in what we're talking about before, the quantum physics and yeah. the idea. So if that is true, maybe we're both. Maybe the, the brain is both a receiver and a transmitter, but the space in which that occurs, that is consciousness, right? That is, right. That is the idea, maybe. And when you get collective consciousness, well, everybody put together, yeah. then now we're all uh, in agreement that we're seeing the same thing now you've got like ir like uh, immutable laws of science which apply in every situation because the collective consciousness has uh, generated this uh, you know this uh, illusion of reality you know and that's why when you what like when you ask the question like what are the odds that a universe so expansive it goes on and on forever and ever and ever yet somehow there's only this like immeasurably like minuscule like tiny little little speck in it that that's able to uh like foster life like what are the odds that just only life can exist in this one thing in the middle of this expansive universe that goes on and on forever like that doesn't seem probable and then if you flip that on its head, look at it the other way, change your perspective. But what are the, uh, what is it not more likely that our consciousness is a, a, as tiny as that little dot able to project this, wow, yeah. you know, like uh, that, that, the, that the universe is constructed by consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, yeah, I don't, it's like uh, worse than the, the chicken or the egg. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever <laughs> really be able to figure that out, but it's, it's a, <clears throat> look, man, the expanse of the universe, like how big, the unimaginably big, they say it's uh, statistically improbable that we're the only life. But I agreed with what you said earlier. We must be fucking fascinating at this stage of our development, the toys we got, the stupid things we do. I'd watch, I do watch that show. Right. I mean, it's awesome. Welcome to Planet Earth, the greatest show in the solar system. I'm sure of that much. We're like know? the Kardashians of the universe. <laughs> that's, that's, that's epic. You know? yeah, who's getting sure. the royalties, though, for who's watching that? Who's watching this, man? Yeah, yeah. who knows? So uh, you have a YouTube channel, Weaponized. Yes, yeah. It's just my personal YouTube channel, at Jeremy Corbell, but we have a show, George Knapp, and I have a show together. So George Knapp is a gangster, old school investigative journalist. 
about this UFO topic. He was on it before anybody. You know, he brought Bob Lazar forward. So luckily, I get to kind of sit with him and have our private conversations and investigations, and sometimes with guests, public. And mm -hmm. it's really fucking fun. So that is the YouTube channel. Um, and you can watch the show Weaponized on podcasts and stuff. You and have Tom DeLong on? Tom's a good friend of, of George's and, yeah. uh, and also mine. I've known him for a while. Um, sure. I mean, I, I don't know. We don't even know what we're doing next week, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know? oh, so it's yeah. like, it's just a matter of like finding the time for everybody. But um, who is next? I don't know. But George and I will be there. I love it. Dude, I love it. I, I love it. It's such it's, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. And um, I, I, I love your, uh, just your, your uh, intoxicating curiosity. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you're like, it's you're, contagious. You're, Okay. I love it. You're, you're clearly just so jazzed on uh, on being alive and and yeah. and just the wonder and the curiosity of the universe, and uh, it's inspiring, man. Thanks, but I appreciate that. I, you yeah. know, the thing is, is um, I think when you in life, I get excited about coffee. You know, I get excited about, you know, the little things. It's like, this is just happens to be a big question. And I feel like it's uncharted territory. And when in our lives, can we really be like topographers? We're creating a map of something. There's so much we know, but it's the things we don't that really excite me. So I think that's what draws me. It's the UFOs right. is like, it's a thing, but it's really the fact that not only do we not know, but we're like resisting studying it. So that's why I'm most excited about it. You know? Right. Yeah, I, I, I love it, man. I hope that uh, you don't step on any toes yeah, and have <laughs> anybody too. coming after you. You know, Oliver's obviously worried about your safety. I'm worried yeah, about you, seems bro. Worried. Be careful. No, I'm good, man. I'm directed and protected and too stupid to know when I'm in danger, I found out. So we're good. <laughs> yeah, I think I, should, I think uh, we have that in common, man. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, hey, man, thank you so uh, thanks, much, brother. brother. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You. Yeah, that was awesome. All right, bro. Thank, yeah, thank you. you very much. Yeah. We always ask people, I don't think there's anything that we could possibly I'd be concerned about. We always say to guests after we're done, like, if there's yeah. anything that you're I appreciate not that. I'm with, good, brother. Yeah. Like, um, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, yeah, dude, that, that was, I had to pee so bad that whole time. <laughs> oh, and, no. And, but I was, just, I was just fascinated. Yeah. There you have it, baby. Do you feel enlightened or do you feel scared? Well, I'll tell you how I feel. I feel full of gratitude to be talking to anybody at the end of this episode, and I know that there's a bunch of you, and I love you. I love you so much. And um, what can I share with you? In this room, um, before we did these ad reads, we mapped out the rest of the year, and it's going to be fucking crazy. Just putting that out there, it's going to be fucking crazy. The end of this year, this year's going to end with a bang. <sighs> Some bazoombas. Ha, ha, ha.